Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's a Sooners Illustrated podcast, episode 47 on this Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Josh Calloway, Colin Candy from San Antonio. We played tag. We were in San Antonio. Now, Colin is <laughs> San Antonio for the All-American Bowl. CK, happy new year. First time we've talked uh, on the show in a couple of weeks since the post-signing day program. How are you feeling? I asked the guys this the other day, you know, new year, new you. I, you know, it's 2024. We're kicking things off here. Happy to be alive at this point, right? <laughs> I, I have our board members know I was getting off the flu. I, I got the, the worst Christmas gift of all of just mega flu is what I'm calling it. And so from Christmas Day till about a little bit after New Year's, I was basically a complete KO on the mat getting ready to be pinned. But you can kind of hear in my voice a little bit. It kind of feels like there's still a lot of pressure on me, but I'm going to power through the podcast because, again, it is a new year. So might as well try and get it started off on the right foot. But, yeah, I'm in San Antonio. Obviously, it was not down there with you guys for the Alamo Bowl. Yeah. We'll be in the Alamo Dome for the All-American Bowl, and Oklahoma's going to have a little bit of representation down here among some other stuff going on, and we'll get into that briefly. But, yeah, good to be back. Absolutely. You know, we're uh, kind of getting back into the, the swing of things, I guess, so that little break, if you want to call it that, and that kind of s- space after the Alamo Bowl and the New Year and stuff. And we're kind of back in the regular flow of it. You guys can expect shows pretty much every Monday and Thursday moving forward here um, as we get into the off season, spring ball before you know it, and all that good stuff on the show today. Got lots of transfer portal intel that I want to ask Colin about as guys are in Norman this week visiting Sooners closing in on some targets that they're after. We'll get updates on those guys. Um, of course, a big announcement the other day, Woody Washington's going to be back. We'll react to that a little bit as well. And also, officer, we're going to preview the, the All-American Bowl, which Colin is down there in San Antonio for. Full disclosure, recording this on Wednesday afternoon right now because CK is down there in San Antonio, like we said. going to be pretty busy the next couple of days. So we said, let's go and record this thing on Wednesday afternoon, and then we'll just hold it. We'll put it out for the Thursday show. On Thursday, so we're with you on a Wednesday, but coming to you on a Thursday. We're kind of time traveling uh, around right now. So, CK, 
They're in San Antonio. <laughs> They're at the Alamo Dome. Like you said, Tom, James, and I were just there. So uh, if you uh, see anything that we left, be sure to pick it up for us, things like that. What What's the week look like for Oklahoma fans? Obviously, you know, the guys that are down there for the Sooners, know they have multiple guys obviously participating in the game. What are you kind of looking for and what should OU fans be on the lookout for while you're down there in San Antonio? The game's on Saturday, right? I'm not sure the actual kickoff time. Um, yeah. But what are some things that uh, OU fans should be looking for there when you're at the Alamo Dome? Yeah, originally this game was supposed to be full of, of Oklahoma signees, had roughly five on the original list. But as it goes this time of year from kind of the, the, the bugs that are going around that like I've been dealing with to injuries to even enrolling situations, OU's representation is down to two. You guys will be able to watch the game this Saturday. Kickoff is at noon central. And Zion Raggins and James Nesta are the two participants representing Oklahoma. They're both on the East team. So OU fans, I guess, be sure to root for the East. I don't know. But <laughs> if you're a betting man, maybe try and put a wager down or two with some sucker. And the other part of this, too, is there's just a ton of future talent that's going to be playing at the collegiate level against Oklahoma. And these signees also in the game, there's a number of SEC school signees. So if you want to get a glimpse into the future of programs that Oklahoma will be facing in the, in the Southeastern Conference, then, yeah, you can you can tune in a little bit and watch a lot of big time representation for elite programs in the All-American Bowl. But yeah, Zion Raggins and James Nesta are the two. Taylor Tatum was supposed to be in the game. Yeah, He opted out last week, had a little bit of an ankle thing going on still. So totally understand him taking some time to rest up following the season. Obviously, he was a warrior for Longview down the stretch in the regular season, tried to will the Lobos through the playoffs and got banged up and, and things went awry. Ivan Carrion was supposed to be in the game, but he is an early enrollee. So he is preparing to get to Norman a little bit ahead of schedule. Nigel Smith was supposed to be in the game as well, but he was a mid-year enrollee, was just down here for the Alamo Bowl. So mm. no real reason to stay in San Antonio for however many days. Just go back to Norman and continue to prep for next season and the upcoming spring practices, like you mentioned. So a few other guys were supposed to be out here, even got their jerseys and everything, but for – Various reasons, it just comes down to these two on the east side. So it'll be interesting. Zion Raggins, I've heard. I just got out here last night. I've heard Raggins has looked really good in practice so far. My 20 minutes I spent today at practice, I mean, he was dicing oxygen up. You know, I like on air, sure, he looks really pretty. But we'll see yeah. what he does here this afternoon. They're going to have a joint practice against the West team. And then uh, James Nesta saw him roaming around a little bit. Didn't get to see him in live action yet, so I will go out and check him out this afternoon here on this Wednesday. But there's that. And then the, the other big real reason why I'm down here, Josh, is because of the National Combine. So essentially every year, the All-American Bowl and, and some of its partnerships invite literally hundreds to thousands of recruits at various levels and classifications to go through combine drills, workouts, position-specific drills, and then, of course, to obviously go through things like one-on-ones with your specific yeah. position. 
And it's it's a really big day. It's where we meet a lot of guys who go on to be elite players. I, I met a lot of guys that Oklahoma got involved with later on because of their involvement here in San Antonio at the National Combine. So some really big-time events going on this week and uh, lots to come from a coverage standpoint because of all this to, to Sooners Illustrated. Sounds a great time. I'm a VIP subscriber. Um, <laughs> how about that? Um, calls me down in the next few days there in San Antonio. A lot going on. Um, so, yeah. Hop aboard. A lot of info coming in. Transfer portal is ablaze. 60% off still, I think. I don't I think, think so. corporate. I think corporate still doesn't <laughs> know. They might still be off, you know. But, hey, as long as it's out there, 60% off is a pretty good deal, folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, good stuff coming from Colin in San Antonio. Uh, be sure to be checking the site regularly for all of that. He's had some great transfer portal stuff the last couple of days and uh, a lot to come from San Antonio. Just to, to see Raggins and Nesta alone is uh, exciting. Obviously, Raggins, like you said, is from what I've seen from afar has looked, but it's going to be exciting to see him put the pads on going to other elite competition this weekend. Nesta, obviously, as well. I'd like to see Nesta maybe get on the mound, too. I know he's not going to do that, but that'd be cool if he did. Um, so it should be a good week there in San Antonio, and we sure to keep up with Colin and uh, get with him next week, obviously, to kind of uh, recap it, what he saw, how he felt about things coming out of the All-American Bowl there at the Alamo Dome. So transfer portal stuff. It's that time of year. We're into January now. The window is closed, right? Um, but that isn't – obviously, there's still a lot of movement to be had. A lot of guys are still in the portal looking for new homes. Oklahoma's in on multiple – defensive line guys that we're going to get into, but let's first do offense. Jake Roberts, tight end from Baylor, used to be at North Texas before that. Obviously, North Texas, Seth Luttrell recruited him there. He was his coach there. Almost everybody made the connection right away saying Oklahoma's tight end room has been very, very thin. Now, they've added Devon Mitchell. They've added Bauer Sharp, but this guy hops in. He's a veteran. Seth Luttrell knows him. Seemed like a natural fit. Colin, what are the chances and what are you hearing about Oklahoma's interest in Jake Roberts from North Texas by way of Baylor. Well, I'll do you one better. On top of all that, Josh, he's a product of Norman North High School, if I remember correctly. He was a standout right down the street from OU. I remember covering him in high school and thinking, this guy's pretty darn good. If he can put it all together, he's got a shot. And he ended up obviously going to North Texas. I believe at one time he was committed to Tulsa. And UNT may have flipped him down the stretch, if I'm remembering right. I'm getting old with all this recruiting stuff. But Jake Roberts then left North Texas and built upon his momentum. UNT kind of became a little bit of a power five tight end factory, if you will. Farkees Gums goes to Arkansas. Jake Roberts went to Baylor. I've heard he had some pretty impressive showings with the Bears. Now was back in the transfer portal. And I think things are trending very, very well here. I mean, this is a guy that, for all the reasons we've just listed, Oklahoma is going to want to get in on. And I think that the thing to really consider is exactly what you mentioned. They already have Devon Mitchell coming in, who just impressed at the Under Armour All-American game, from what I've heard. They have Bauer Sharp, who's also obviously coming in from the transfer portal to that tight end room. But they have to kind of overhaul that room in its entirety to get depth built up properly. And even with a guy who I think still has a real shot to be a special talent in Caden Helms still in that room, he's coming off of injury. And I think it's important these days to, to build things up from a depth perspective where you probably have 
four tight ends that you're comfortable with, especially if you're going to go a lot of 12 personnel. And the other part of this, too, was I was the first to report that Blake Smith was hopping in the transfer port. And so that frees up a spot in the tight end room. It feels like Jake Roberts is kind of that fit, especially when you consider that Blake was kind of the, the two-point stance H-back type, blocked very well over the course of the season. And I think Jake Roberts can fit that while also adding a little bit more to the passing game. And so we'll see. It seems like Jake Roberts and Oklahoma's very realistic pairing. And I expect things to move quickly, especially if they can get him on campus soon. Absolutely. It just makes sense. You know, a veteran guy in there. Um, you know, I, we talked about it on the signing day show. I mean, obviously, Devon Mitchell is this freak that we're all really excited about. And we think could could be the guy right away, but he is still, you know, a true freshman who reclassified up a year. If you can get some more veterans around him, not a bad idea uh, in the slightest. Like you said, Norman, Norman guy, Oklahoma kid. Oklahoma's put full core press on brand Oklahoma kids home, which you talked about on Tuesday with James and Tom. They brought Jocelyn Alaska back from Utah, who was up from Bethany originally. Could kind of go to that well again with an Oklahoma kid who left the state and how you bring him back if that's where that goes there with Jake Roberts. Now, along the defensive line, a um, couple of guys they're chasing here. Um, you're bringing a lot of your D-line back from last year, and now they're trying to supplement it um, through the transfer portal. We'll first talk about Caden Woolard from Miami of Ohio. He's expected to be in town today being Wednesday. Um Kyle, what are you hearing about Oklahoma's chances with him? Obviously, this is a guy who was very productive there in the MAC. Had I think nine and a half sacks it was last year. Obviously, the sack department was one thing that Oklahoma kind of lacked this year. Now, there's more nuance to it than that. They were getting pressure regularly, but they had a hard time kind of racking up the actual sack numbers as the year went on. Caden Woods, a guy who could really help with that. Where are you kind of feeling like Oklahoma sits in the sweepstakes for him, trying to upgrade him, you know, from the G5 level there. Yeah, whether it's Woolard or the guy we're getting ready to talk about after this, that you can tell they want a pass rusher or two out of the portal, and completely understandably so. Everyone talks about interior defensive line and so on, but even with Ethan Downs coming back, who kind of cemented himself as a little bit of an Oklahoma legend again mm -hmm. during the playoff with that whole thing, Woolard is someone to me who could easily compete for playing time opposite of Downs and provide a little bit of bona fide pass rush ability opposite of a player like Ethan Downs, who is hard-nosed, aggressive. Downs had some dominant performances over the course of the season. I remember making him defensive MVP for, I think, two or three straight games. It was, it was a pretty wild run that he went on. But if Ethan Downs is going to be your lone bona fide edge player, I don't care who you are. It, it just has to get better. And now – I do think it's important. R. Mason Thomas, I thought, had some really good moments in the Alamo Bowl. He looked yep. healthy for the first time in a long time. Obviously, P.J. is getting to become the five-star elite talent we all expect him to be. But Willard is a veteran pass rusher who's been there, done it, and has that verified production you're looking for. And he he's also mentioned, he told us at 24-7, he's fine with going somewhere where he's going to have to earn the right mm -hmm. to play. But he wants that opportunity to play in a big-time setting. I think Oklahoma checks that box. Now, he's going to be visiting Oklahoma today. I believe they may have actually got in late, late last night at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Now they're going to go through the visit. It, and then from there, it's going to be Texas A&M right afterwards. And A&M and Oklahoma are getting ready to battle again 
for a lot of other portal players. Talking to Andrew Hattersley for us at Gigam 24-7, we were just bouncing intel off of each other as I was driving down here to San Antonio. And Willard, to me, feels like someone that's going to kind of come down to Oklahoma and A&M. Now, I know Louisville is out there. I believe he's visiting Louisville shortly after the A&M trip. I also know that Ohio State is a program he's definitely interested in. And the Ohio State staff has been contacting him, kind of keeping him at arm's length. But Ohio State, I know, has a couple of other visits going on over the next couple of days, specifically, mm-hmm. I believe, with offensive linemen. And so while Willard is kind of in the, the South Central territory, don't be surprised if this, this thing accelerates because of the way that Oklahoma and Texas A&M can put their foot forward. Now, you know, we're recording again here on this Wednesday. By the time the show publishes, he's probably going to be in College Station. And if he isn't in College Station, well, it's a pretty strong indicator as to what <laughs> that means. Yeah. So, again, look, the last thing I'll say is this is a player that Miguel Chavis went after almost immediately for good reason. I mean, OU was one of, if not the first, to offer Willard, if I remember correctly. He, shortly after that, I mean, Oklahoma was the first visit that he set. He, he didn't even have... Texas A&M finalized before his visit to OU was confirmed and booked. Oklahoma's in a really good spot here on this Wednesday. And by the time the show publishes, man, like, again, this is probably either going to be evergreen intel going into the weekend or it's going to sound weird because Oklahoma's going to try and shut this thing down for him as soon as humanly possible. But, yeah, really intriguing pass rusher from Miami of Ohio. And OU wants this guy really, really bad. We'll see how the visit goes as we speak. Sticking on that same, you know, position group with Nick Scourton, who you kind of were alluding to there from Purdue, um, visiting this weekend, led the Big Ten in sacks last year. It's a no-brainer ad if you can do it. How do you feel like Oklahoma's chances stack up here? Obviously, there's lots of big programs chasing him. He's bouncing all over the country, visiting basically a different campus every day, quite literally over the next, you know, week or so. Where do you feel like Oklahoma stands here? Does Deion Burks play a part in helping maybe bring him in? Obviously, different sides of the ball there, but teammates at Purdue. Where are you kind of handicapping things for Oklahoma in terms of trying to bring Scout in, which would be obviously an A-plus ad if you could find a way to do it? Yeah, look, this guy, this is the other thing. So you mentioned it. He leads the Big Ten in sacks. He's six foot four, 280 pounds as an edge rusher. And to me, what I why I bring that up, it's one thing to have that production, but to be 6'4", 280 as a defensive end edge rusher, I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about an NFL frame player already, you know. And when you have an NFL caliber player out there just perusing, it's shifts to the center of the table time for Oklahoma. And I, I think if they had the opportunity to do so, they would try and bring him in and Woolard both because of the types of talents that they are. Now, it's funny. You know, Scourton, I have a lot of familiarity with this guy. He is from Bryan, which is just, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump from College Station in the state of Texas. He was actually a, a, a young guy that I invited back in the day to one of my old offensive line, defensive line camps a couple of years ago. But he, he couldn't come to my camp because he was in seven-on-seven seven as like a six-foot-four, 240-pound <laughs> high school player. It was the weirdest thing. I had to tell some of the guys I was working with, like, hey, Scourton's a no-go. He's got seven on seven. They were all like, any a defensive lineman? But uh, <laughs> he 
he's a freak, man. He even yeah. back when he was in high school, he looked like he had a mortgage. I mean, he was he's always been huge. He's always been freaky athletic. He he played linebacker too in high school a little bit, which again, like kind of shows why he's been able to rack up those pass rush numbers because he's used to having that athletic burst. You need the linebacker position. He's brought that down to the line of scrimmage. And in the Big Ten, where you're facing primarily run-dominant offenses or kind of smash-mouth football, when those offenses get behind the chains into second and 11, third and 12, you're asked to block someone like Scourton. I mean, good luck. So his process is going to be fascinating, man. I mean, I, I think Deion Burks plays a huge role here. Clearly, the two are very close. I mean, Dion is literally trying to at Scourton on Twitter every single day, it looks like. <laughs> and I, I saw some heartfelt message that Dion Burks put out for Carol uh, Scourton's birthday yeah. the other day. <clears throat> That's kind of Oklahoma's ace card to play. Now, why do I mention the ace card? Well, every other program, in my opinion, in the race for Scourton has some ace cards to play. He's as we speak on this Wednesday, Josh, visiting Texas A&M, they already have We Want Scourton signs up on all the movie theaters and College Station. So, number one, it's like, okay, in-state program wants him really bad. He knows the Aggies well. But, again, right. I mean, Brian is a 10-minute drive, if that, from Texas A&M's campus. So, he, he is literally from right down the street. And having that familiarity – being close to home, the Aggies have that proximity card plus the SEC, things of that nature, and you know that the Aggies are going to roll out the red carpet, especially as that newer staff tries to rebuild the defensive line. Scourton would fit a serious need for them. Mm-hmm. But then I look at this, and I'm going to be honest, Josh, like Oklahoma has the Deion Burks. They have the move to the SEC. Texas A&M has the close-to-home in-state ties plus the SEC. You know, there are two other schools in the race that I'm hearing a lot about when it comes to Scourton. It's his other two visits. I was pretty surprised last night getting off the phone with somebody hearing that Florida State wants to get this guy really, really bad. I mean, Florida State's going to be, it sounds like, a serious contender for Scourton, and it makes a lot of sense because their ace card is, yeah. we just missed the playoffs. I mean, we just missed it. And Florida State is aggressive. They are very good about utilizing the transfer portal. If you'll remember, I mean, almost that entire team, almost anybody that's of star power value at Florida State came from the transfer portal. I mean, mm-hmm. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, so on and so forth. They they use that portal well, man. Mike Norvell is kind of a wizard when it comes to the portal. He rebuilt that program through the portal in Scourton could be kind of that next guy for them. We'll see. Even a Jared Verse defensive end. Remember, he was a portal guy from a small school. Sure. And now, look, at he's probably going to be a first-round pick at defensive end. So, Scourton could fit a, a hole that's left by a former transfer defensive end like Verse. And then, I know Oklahoma fans aren't going to like me saying this, but here comes Missouri again. Right. Here yeah. they come. And... I think what's interesting about Mizzou, Oklahoma has some things it can play. A&M has some things it can play that are unique. Florida State kind of has like 
all the momentum on the field, even after that beatdown against Georgia, which I don't even really count for them. Mizzou is just, I mean, by whatever means necessary. You know, I, I think that they have been – Eli Drinkwitz talked about it on our signing day show at 24-7 Sports. They have embraced name, image, and likeness. They are connected with their donor base and things of that nature, the community out in Como. They, they are finding ways to make Missouri a destination. And on top of that, I, I think Missouri – is usually a pretty attractive place to go if you're a defensive end. You know, not too long ago, they were producing defensive linemen through the program. And whether that's Shane Ray, Michael Sam, Coney Ely, those years where they were going to all those SEC championship games, they were also cycling defensive linemen through the program. And so Mizzou's going to be a serious threat. I I think it's kind of a fascinating dynamic because Oklahoma – has some major cards to play, and yet it's still seriously going to be an uphill battle. And from what I noted on the board this morning, the timeline here, too, could move very quickly. I mean, he's going visit, 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 and I wouldn't be stunned if he makes a decision right after. So we'll see. I mean, the thing with these guys that are so high profile in the portal, Josh, when they know that the center of attention Portal guys are real hard to deal with. Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> they don't want to be in, in the spotlight. They want to get this thing done. And it feels like Scourton, who is he's a great guy. He, I think people will really like to get to know him or, or hear from him. You can see that he would rather this move quickly. And so if that's the case, Oklahoma getting that final visit after all these programs we just broke down. Sure. It's huge, and we'll see how it fares for the Sooners in what is going to be an intense battle for one of the nation's best pass rushers. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Fascinating to see. Obviously, you're looking for Woolard here and, and maybe Scourton both. And I'm reminded because you're bringing back Ethan Downs. You're probably bringing back Trace Ford. Armis Thompson sitting there. P.J. Adebore is sitting there. Um, I'm reminded of Miguel Chavis back, I think it was fall camp, saying, you know, when we were asking him about bringing in Rondell Bothroyd and Trace Ford over some of these other guys, and he said, I'm never going to apologize for bringing in great players and, and stockpiling that room as much as I can. Feels very similar. Like on paper, you, you have your starters in place, you have your rising stars and Thomas Adebore, but these guys are out there. You're trying to upgrade. You, you go get them if you can, kind of a thing. And you figure out the playing time and rotations and stuff later. You know, that's kind of the way it goes sometimes, I guess. And that's the thing, too, is I think it's important for Oklahoma to continue to remind itself as a program only the very elite of the elite in college football have defensive line rotations. I mean, if you're going to win a national championship, you got to be able to cycle them up front eight deep, nine deep at times. And I think you look at some of these teams that are playing in the playoff. Michigan is incredibly deep on the defensive line. Braylon Trice at Washington is a star, but they have a couple of other defensive linemen they cycle through. Alabama, of course. Texas had one of the nation's best defensive lines. Georgia, even missing it. Florida State, those two programs who just missed it, they both have deep defensive line rotations. If Oklahoma's going to win a lot of games, they got to be able to win up front with a number of different guys. And that's why I think it – it led to so many of those defensive tackles coming back, right? I mean, Lacey, Terry, some of these dudes, they were fine with coming back to the program even with like a David Stone coming in because they rotate and you have to rotate. And so it's important, I think, for Oklahoma to continue to cycle guys along the edge just like they were able to do pretty effectively last season at defensive tackle. Closing the book now on a couple of AM guys that we've, we've uh, touched on a few times. You know, Oklahoma fans have been curious, was there a chance? Maybe, and there certainly was, but it, doesn't, it didn't go that way. First, Dominic McKinley, 2024, obviously five-star defensive line. We talked about him a bunch of times. With all the change there, could he flip? Well, he did flip, but he flipped to LSU um, from Texas and to LSU. Obviously, hasn't signed yet, but uh, they didn't. Expectation is that he will. He flipped over to the Tigers there in Baton Rouge. And then David Hicks, obviously from the previous cycle, there was some thought maybe he would portal again with all the change. Elijah Robinson no longer there. But it sounds like he's staying put in College Station. Um, CK, obviously, is it is it over for these two guys? Or are we done talking about them? <laughs> and David Hicks? Or is there more twists and turns here? Maybe down the road. Who knows? That was awesome. Is it over? Man, I sure hope so. I'm going to be honest. Okay, so on the Dominic McKinley front, I think that surprised a lot of people. Um, But LSU, to be truthful, really put its best foot forward down the stretch for obvious reasons. And um, I think Dominic McKinley going to LSU, to me, is kind of the nail in the coffin. I don't blame Oklahoma if it tries to continue to pursue him up until signing day in February, but there's a long ways to go there. And look, it kind of felt like after he got through the early signing period in December, the early aftermath was like, does Oklahoma have a chance? Okay, it sounds like they may have a chance. Maybe they're not 
actually in as good of a position as originally thought. But yeah, I I I personally believe this is kind of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think the big difference here, Josh, if we're just being honest, is LSU's making changes to its defensive coaching staff. I oh, believe wow. literally today, just before we hopped on this podcast here on this Wednesday, something broke to the effect during my drive over of LSU's making a complete shift to its defensive coaching crew. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, I, I believe that that's kind of part of the reason for Dominic McKinley to go to LSU. I think that defensive coaching staff wasn't necessarily the ideal fit for him and his family at the time, but he obviously loved LSU as a program. I think Brian Kelly does a really good job of recruiting families. And, you know, BK, I believe, was in home with McKinley and crew, just like Brent Venables and Todd Bates were during that stretch where almost everybody across the country (laughs) took an in-home visit with McKinley. So, yeah, I I think that the the decision to go to LSU doesn't shock me, but it it was a shocking timeline. And because of that, if something so jarring – to me, that would indicate something pretty finite, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. to go out of your way to make this decision at this time when it kind of catches everybody off guard, yeah, I, I think this is kind of it for the Dominic McKinley sweepstakes unless something shocking comes around during early February. So, to the David Hicks note, reports came out last night, late last night, I believe, that the expectation is David Hicks is going to stay at Texas A&M. And I'm going to be honest, kind of the few days leading up to this deadline, there had been some people who told me, like, he might go in. And yet, for every voice that told me that, I had about two or three more telling me, I just don't see him leaving. And I didn't know which way it was going to go. You know, Mm -hmm. these things can be pretty – pretty volatile, pretty unpredictable. And the other part of this too is I was pretty hesitant to try and even really dig on anything because even with the deadline coming up last night at midnight, you know, Josh, you'll appreciate this as a baseball guy. Everyone kind of knows like when the trade deadline in Major League Baseball or even in the NBA rolls around, if the deadline hits, well, trades are still going to get announced well after the official deadline is hit. sure. Because of things like, uh, in that world, physicals. Well, in the world of the transfer portal, it was kind of hard to follow. You know, if you file your paperwork to get into the portal or whatever, it can take two days to show up, three days. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was talking to someone on the phone, like, you know, I, I feel, I felt like at the time I was going to have to be on David Hicks watch until the weekend. Well, if things currently track the way that they are, and he stays in College Station, I can't say that I'm surprised because he played a ton during their bowl game. That whole bowl week was just, look how great it's going to be here. You know, I mean, that's right. That's a program that's using its bowl practices as a literal opportunity to recruit someone on their roster. And it went well, by all accounts. And so David Hicks... I think the other part of this too, Josh, honestly, he has a lot of time. I mean, his career is still very young. And so for a young guy 
to want to stay in familiar territory, to see things through with a new coaching staff. You know, I don't blame them one bit. And obviously, the Hicks family has always been great to me. Hicks Sr. is one of my guys. I mean, he's one of my favorite people I've ever met on the recruiting trail. And and I know a big thing for them is comfortability and trust. Mm. And if they feel like Texas A&M and that new staff and then the surroundings that come from being in College Station and being close to the greater Houston area where they, they prefer to live, I wish them all the best. And for Oklahoma, yeah, it's like the defensive tackles you were kind of hoping to have on your board aren't making their way through the door. But this is the the nature of the transfer portal. It gives, it takes, and it can be pretty wild to follow even when names aren't going in. So if this is the, the end of the David Hicks saga as well, even though it technically never even really started, I, I would probably welcome that, and I think that the Hicks family would too. Absolutely. Uh, I think probably OU fans are probably – yeah, maybe tired of that carrot being uh, floated out there, but who knows? Maybe the year from now, there's more more rumblings that he could, you know, after the next season. And you feel like if he ever does portal, no matter when it is, two, three years from now, as a grad transfer or something, who, who knows? Oklahoma will probably be involved. Um, so we'll right. we'll uh, revisit it if we need to. But for now, sounds like you can pretty much kind of close the book on that uh, again. For now, that's the key the key uh, term there. For now. To wrap up, last thing, um, did get some good team news as for the current team moving into next season on Tuesday night. I'm at the Paycom Center uh, getting ready to watch Thunder play some some hoops against the Celtics, and I get a text from our great Tom Green. said, hey, Woody Sinatsi's coming back. So Woody Washington completes the, the mold, I guess, here for this defense. Final guy, he announced he's coming back. Kyle, I want to get your reaction to it while I had you, and, and not even just Woody, but the defense as a whole, I mean, you have all your guys essentially are back. I mean, Danny Sussman's back. Billy Bowman is back. Woody Washington now back. I already mentioned Ethan Downs is back. You alluded to the, the D tackles. DeJon Terry, Jacob Lazy, they're both back. You have veteran, experienced guys who played a lot of college football and in most cases, multiple years at Oklahoma at every single position group on your defense now. Plus all the guys going to year two. Plus all the guys you've recruited in. I mean, it feels like Oklahoma is as set up as you could possibly be. Really big deal to get Woody back here, right? I mean, to lead that that cornerback room, which is going to have some question marks if he left. I mean, look, the, this is huge because you recruited Des John Malone from San Diego State mm-hmm. in the portal thinking he was your Woody Washington replacement. And now, I mean, a guy who stands at like six foot two and 205, 210 pounds as a cornerback – you can have that guy as your corner three. I mean, he he now becomes like your Kanai Walker in the rotation, which to me is massive. And I think for Woody too, Josh, like it makes a lot of sense to me. I I, I think objectively, as like an NFL draft nerd that I am, I just don't see a world where he would have gone much further than day three of the draft. And that's not a knock on him. It's just kind of the skill set and the nature of the cornerback position yeah, and how many guys out there are probably going to test similarly to him, how many guys are going to have similar stuff on tape compared to Woody. He was going to have to really fight through the NFL draft process from if he gets a combine invite to the pro day, he was going to have to earn his stripes. But to come back and put a season of tape 
in the SEC together, mm. that's huge. And he's also going to have the opportunity, in my opinion, he may not be asked to be on the field every single down. Now, he's he's your corner one. He's, he's probably your best corner. So he's going to be out there almost every single snap. But, like, you now, with bringing in Des John Malone, still having Gentry Williams, having these younger corners like Josiah Wagner and Macari Vickers have more time in the system, maybe you can rotate Woody out a little bit and allow him to have fresh legs and let that dude be as effective as humanly possible especially in like the fourth quarter where teams are going to have to throw the ball to keep up with Oklahoma's offense potentially. And so I, I really like the decision for Woody. I think it's cool too for him. He's a product of the state of Tennessee. OU plays mm. Tennessee next year. I think that'll be kind of be a, a fun little matchup for him. And then I just think overall, like it's it's a sensible thing for him, and it's a, obviously a very welcome decision for OU. And you look at this defense in general, man. To not only have all these guys coming back, I mean, if you ask me to name one guy outside of Rondell Bothroyd who's leaving, I, it would take me a little bit to to bring up a name. <laughs> that's that's massive for them. And then you bring in a Des John Malone, maybe you bring in a Caden Willard or a Nick Scourton. You add to this defense in pieces. It's fascinating, in my opinion, how good this defense could become if they build upon all this momentum generated by these decisions falling in their favor. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really exciting time if you're an Oklahoma fan because you got to think, like, next season's probably going to be the most excited you've been for a season, not only because of the SEC, but you're going into the SEC with maybe – the deepest defense you've had in however many years that you can remember. Right. And so a big part of that is naturally Woody Washington and his decision to come back gives Oklahoma quite the cornerback tandem again in overall depth as that unit prepares for the SEC. It was a topsy-turvy month uh, for Woody. Just from what I was hearing, you know, it, it seemed like initially there was thought that he was probably going to go. Go ahead and test the NFL draft waters. Keep on, he's older, you know, than Danny and Billy. This is this is going to be his sixth year next year. Whenever you know there was reports that Danny was probably going to go, um, and that Billy was maybe thinking about it, kind of some things that we were hearing. But then Billy said he's coming back, and then Danny Stutzman said he's coming back. There seemed to be some mention for him to maybe be returning to school after all. And then it kind of sort of go back the other way a little bit that maybe he was thinking about going and going. And then what I was told is that that NFL draft grade came back and it, it wasn't where he wanted to be. And obviously the Alamo Bowl comes and goes. He has a rough go, probably his worst game of the season. He had a great season, but it wasn't great in the Alamo Bowl. Arizona cooked him a couple of times. Now here you are. He's coming back. So in the in in the end, I think I agree. It's it's good for both parties. Oklahoma needed a guy to lead that cornerback room. It's going to be a, a lot of, you know, it would, there was going to be some question marks there. The talent's there, but there was going to be some question marks there if he was gone. You feel a lot better about it overall with him steering the ship. And then, you know, you feel like if he can do even close to what he just did this year, but do it in the SEC, you know, put on some more weight, schmitty, things like that, he's got a lot better chance of, of latching on somewhere at the next level. So it just kind of makes sense for all parties. So big win for Oklahoma there. And like I said, every single position on that defense you have, at least one, in some cases, multiple guys who have played multiple years at Oklahoma, seasoned veteran guys going into the SEC. You're set up. You're set up. And it's going to be fun to watch uh, next year. 
Oklahoma fans are not going to have to do a whole lot of relearning names. It's going to be a lot of the same defense that you watched this year, only with guys added in. It's going to be fun to watch. I think that's it. CK, have a good week in San Antonio. We'll be sure to keep up with you from the All-American Bowl down there at the Alamo Dome um, throughout the weekend, obviously. Be sure to check out the site, Oklahoma247sports.com. Collins all over it. Obviously, Transfer Portal News continues to kick up. CK's been all over that as well. More to come, obviously, as these visits get un uh, underway and in the books there from Norman. And look forward to uh, recapping it all next week as uh, whatever happens on Monday with Tom and James. Big toll play starts for hoops this weekend, so we'll be sure to talk about that on Monday. Catch up with Colin again later next week to wrap up all of this, get some more updates. CK, appreciate you as always, man. Have a good uh, trip down there in San Antonio. I will see y'all next week. Hit the Riverwalk, man. We did it. We did it, and then you can uh, do the same. That's it. We'll be back Monday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast. For Colin Kenny, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys then.